the Magic Book Club podcast. Uh, it is my huge pleasure. I'm so excited. Andrew Ridgely, welcome to the Magic Radio Book Club podcast. Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm like a little bit hyperventilating. I had posters of you on my wall. I'm going to do all that now because I'll never meet you again and I won't get to say it again. But it's a joy to have you here uh, with your new book, Wham, George and Me. Um, and uh, thank you for your story. It's so nice to hear your story. Why, why are you doing this now? What's, how, did, how did this all come about? Um, well, really, it was a, uh, a reaction to the, the huge outpouring of affection and um, fondness consequent to the tribute that Shirley, Pepsi and I gave at the Brits. And it, it made me realise that um, just how much Wham and George meant to people. You know, I've been slightly removed from... Mm. Um, from uh, uh, the world of media and whatnot for for a while, so uh, it, and there was a, I felt there was a little bit of a danger of his legacy being overshadowed by his death mm. and and some of the negativity that was consequent to it. So I rather wanted to bring the perspective back to the glory days and and, and what was people felt was life affirming and and uh, and represented so much to them about Wham. And that was, and it's so nice to read because the overwhelming sense when I was growing up and, you know, and, and buying your records and, and listening to the music and dancing to the, the music was that it was a time of, it was so positive and it was so fun um, and it was so sort of unexpected and, and easy. Um, and, and, it, and it is so, and it's lovely, therefore, to hear these stories, to take us back to those times when, when, it, felt, when it felt like that. And I'm sure you must be, it must have been really lovely kind of replaying um, all that history in your head. It, it, was, uh, it was nice recollecting yeah. um, what were fabulous, you know, it was a great period in, uh, in, in my life and, and our friendship, uh, a, a real a wonderful chapter. And so it was. It was a fond recollection from my point of view. It was. It was. It was nice remembering um, those those times. Of course, when you're doing a kind of forensic uh, um, recollection like that, there are things that crop up that, that you won't have uh, recalled for a long, long time. You know, f photos may represent yes. things that you've forgotten about, etc. So yeah, it was. It was an enjoyable experience. The um, three things that I have learnt reading this book. Number one, you are a half glass full type of guy, aren't you? <laughs> Even from like going back right to the beginning, you seem to have been, you know, constantly the rocket behind George's sort of reticence or hesitance even from kind of wanting to join the band to you know and and it and I wondered if you saw yourself like that because it was also you 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 had a plan. You were the one that had the plan. Yes, certainly when we were um, kids, mm. uh, t young teenagers, um, George was, was um, he wasn't as confident as I was as a, as a child and um, less certain of himself. You know, he grew, he grew into, you know, George Michael, the man he became. He, you know, he was he was Yorgo Panayotou when he came to Bushy Meads Comp in 1975. The rock and roll mecca of Bushy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, there, if there is one. Um, and uh, and so he was um, he was he was struggling with his identity. We yeah. think, I think it's fair to say he, he's he's said as much um, numerous times in in uh, along the course of his career. 
And so, um, yeah, he needed a lot of prodding and and uh, and dragging along, um, especially with regard to, to forming a band and uh, and uh, and forming direction. He was fair. He had he he had inner confidence, and he was sure of himself when decisions were made, and especially creative decisions. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah, very much so. Yeah, he was he was very confident in his in his creative mm. ability. That was uh, that was evident from you know when we first formed uh, our band. The and are we talking about the executive? We are. Can I just pull you up on something, please? So, I mean, the stories of of, of school bands and college bands are always hysterical and are always so much fun because you go through so many and there's you kind of going through different genres at a rate of knots, whether that is disco or new romance or post punk to try and get the thing that feels right. And uh, the the first college gig, <laughs> could you please explain what a rabble rousing scar reworking of Beethoven's fur release is? Um, I think that's probably fairly difficult to explain, <laughs> isn't it, to put into words. Uh, but it, yes, it was just that. That's um, genius. Yeah, I don't I have no idea how how that came about, to be perfectly honest. I've got a horrible feeling it was my idea. <laughs> it's a um, genius idea. I think you should do it again. I've got, we've got to do that again. It sounds brilliant. I, I'm not sure it, ex- it exists on tape. Some, <laughs> some, some of the stuff does. Some of the stuff exists on, on, on CD, but... Um, uh, transferred on CD. Obviously, it wasn't on CD originally. Yeah, they weren't invented then. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Beethoven got the treatment. Well, I'm sure <laughs> we will never be forgiven. <laughs> Loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. I think the thing is as well that going forward, you know, your what's I, I get the feeling that you know, even though that you you knew you wanted to be in a band and you know you had to drag him, scripted, you know, kicking and screaming to to a degree, um, that 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 it was all so. Everything was such a bonus for you. You kind of, you've sort of lived, it feels like you lived through it with so much, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it and everything was was kind of, you know, this, these people taking pictures of us and wow, we're here, oh my gosh. Um, and it seemed like the best way you could have managed that kind of leap to fame. Well, I think the Wham was essentially an expression of our friendship and... Mm. and uh, we the, the music that we made and and the um, performance we the performances we gave and and our and the image that was conveyed as a consequence of of, of yeah. our friendship. You know, it's one of the things that was interesting actually looking at some of the old pictures was um, the the you know the evident uh, affection that did exist between yeah. us and and uh, that's something that you know you take for granted at the time. But it, it's and that you know they were they were the pictures were well chosen by by myself and um, Emma uh, Emma Plater at, at Penguin, mm. um, and I think they really do. I hope they do. Anyway, um, they give that sense of of, um, uh, and I think that's what attracted people that 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 intimacy of the relationship that existed between us. Massively, massively. I mean, there's. I mean, my memories of the the four of you as well. You, you know, as a teenager, you were desperate to have some of that. You know, you would, we'd, we'd act out videos, and you were desperate. You know, I was Shirley constantly, obviously, but you were desperate to be. You know, that was it was it was a, a real, it was a real, it was a real camaraderie that, and it did come through. It did come through, and I think it's really nice that you've uh, that you've you've gone. You know, you worked so hard to explain that in here as well. The other, the second thing that I've learned from this is without your mum's scrapbook. Um, there would have been maybe less photos and less school reports. Your mum kept a scrapbook, didn't she? Of pretty much like so much stuff. Yeah, she she kept scrapbooks. She well, she she kept cuttings and 
throughout our career. Oh, that's so there, really there's nice. a really um, uh, well catalogued um, uh, chronicle of, yeah. of, of the our success and every, virtually everything. Certainly UK based, but there's quite a lot of foreign stuff in there as well. But it is a it is an incredible resource to. To, to look back through. Um, I'm sure. She didn't, she didn't miss much. Did she not? Really? No, 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 no. It's really comprehensive. That's really amazing for her to have. She seemed like to, she because I know that um, uh, in the book as well, you talk about how George's family were, were, were much, they, there, was the, there was a time limit on how much time he was given uh, in order for this to work and that you were almost working against the clock um, and, that, and that your family seemed to be much more accommodating about what you wanted to do, even though you had disruptive written on your school report. Uh, <laughs> yes, probably more than one school report. But, um, <laughs> She, um, George's parents, I mean, Jack was a uh, he, he self-made man. He worked yeah. very, very hard. And his his um, his perspective on life is that, you know, you had to graft and 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 music didn't really fit in with that, that, uh, that perspective on, on work and, and life and career. So uh, there was a lot more pressure on George in some respects. My mum was a bit more bohemian. She was... A fair bit younger. Uh, my mum was only nineteen when she had me. She actually might have been eighteen. She had fans that used to turn up at the door, and she'd always say hello to them. Yes, they were very good to to the fans that that pitched up. Actually, um, good one, mum. Good yeah, woman. they're very kind to them. Uh, the third thing that I've learned from this book is how, is how long it took to get Careless Whisper right. Um, and I think from an outwards perspective, it just appeared, but it didn't. It was it was it took a long time to get it right. Well, or did it? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, it didn't. I yeah. mean, we had it right first time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, um, it, George was persuaded to um, when when we agreed that um, it would be uh, a solo release. It, obviously, when we did our first demo, which was Wham Rap, most of it, about a quarter of Careless Whisper and, and uh, about a third of Club Tropicana, unfinished songs they were. I yeah. Mean, you know, why, why we thought or how we thought you know, that was um, <laughs> going to be adequate enough to, to set down as a demo and, um, and actually present to, to record companies is, is a bit baffling in hindsight. But You knew. But Maybe you knew. Maybe well, you knew. Well, we, we, we knew they were good songs for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and probably our, and our enthusiasm got the better of us. And we, and we thought, you know, that everyone else will see it, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which they didn't. <laughs> not, <laughs> not the first actually, time. Only one person oh actually saw it, and that was Mark Dean who signed us. Yeah. And, but Mark was, a, was an exceptional A&R man. He had a great record uh, of making records. Yeah, he really did. He really um, did. Yeah, so um, Careless Whisper was... We recorded that um, uh, as when once the song had been fully uh, completed, and we recorded that as a demo. And the all the constituent parts are there. And actually, I, I don't know. I don't think that demo exists. It may do, but um, but certainly um, the final version is strikingly similar. In actual fact, it's the, funny, the, the isn't version it? that was recorded at Muscle Shoals just did, lacked what that which the the uh, the original demo had so mm. uh, it just wasn't it wasn't um, didn't represent how we uh, heard the song together um, all those years ago yeah the mm. first time it was written um did you did you i think there's there is you know there's this one there's 
this this fabulous career and the and the you know the success and the traveling and the fun um and then there's a there's a junction which is which is the solo release did you because what i find really amazing and this 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 talks to your friendship with him as well is that there there is a sense that you kind of you you knew as soon as his voice was starting to find its feet properly um that there was a solo career possible you knew you knew and yet that that Wham was still his priority and your priority until right until it really it couldn't be anymore and that takes some doing um yeah i mean we were both we both had a very clear sight of what we needed to do with Wham but it was also it became very apparent to us very quickly much quicker than i think either of us perhaps expected when george's songwriting developed a, 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 an absolutely astronomical pace um uh, and I, I mentioned it a little earlier, but Kelly Whisper always kind of sat a wee bit outside yeah. the, the kind of genre that, that that Wham represented in the early days, and so th- that's why it was a song that was slightly to one side, and that's why when when um, uh, and Wham was always uh, conceived as a as a, a short term project. It was always yeah. going to be because it was the expression of us and our youth. Therefore, it was never going to be something that lasted into maturity, yeah. mature adulthood. Yeah, we you, can't pu- you can't pull off those shorts in, in adulthood. You can't do bad boys at 56. <laughs> it really would be extremely unedified. We try and do it on a Friday night in our house, but it's really not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we understood that. And um, the the we didn't ha- we didn't set a time limit initially, but but uh, we always knew it was going to be, as I said, a short-term project and that that was foreshortened really by the scale and speed of our success yeah so so once um once george uh, it was apparent that he was developing into a songwriter extraordinaire uh, and an artist that that you know he was finding his feet as a as, as an artist and uh that was a process that happened very quickly and that was when he asked me if if i would uh, consent to, to him releasing it as as a solo single and but I understood where you know his his ultimate destination wasn't you know exactly sure quite <laughs> of the magnitude of it, but you know we understood that for for him he, um, music was going to be uh, his means of personal expression. So in a way that it wasn't for me, so um, it was an easy easy decision. Yeah, he's my chum. I was never going to say no. Yeah. Um, and um, so so that was that was the the, the underlying basis for that that decision. But it seemed that, but it seemed that it that the way that it then developed was still very positive. It was still very positive oh, as yeah, well. I mean, and well, as I said, you know, we George, it was imperative for him that Wham was a success as, as much as it was for me. We were he was never going to walk away from Wham without having achieved, you know, yeah. making what virtually one of the biggest bands in the world, which we were at the time of, you know, when we brought Wham to a close. There's no doubt about that. It happened, as I said, a lot quicker than we expected. Well, that's, and that's the other thing, I think, because it was really interesting because, you you know, you 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 talk a lot about how uh, when you'd, you'd found yourself, um, you know, in the same room as, as, as uh, Freddie, Mercury and Queen, or you'd found yourself in the same room as some of the bands that you'd grown up listening to. And, um, and from, I think from, and for, for you, that was quite, that was, that was amazing because to 
think of yourselves in the same league as these guys was was mind blowing. It was really funny because from my perspective as a, as a as a fan, you were always already there. There was you were all already in that league, and that's what I mean. I think when I you know talk about you being a half glass full kind of guy, you always really enjoyed those moments. You talk about them a lot in the book that you went, oh my gosh, I'm standing here with these guys. It's amazing. Well, I mean, anyone would enjoy those moments. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, the um, it, but but it's very difficult for to to perceive yourself on in the same category or you know have the same status as as artists that you've grown up with and and absolutely idolise. It's it's next to impossible. I mean, may, there may be some that that uh, that ascend to feel that ascend ascent is uh, an easy one to make, but uh, I certainly didn't, and I don't think George is, George did for a long time. Um, but um, uh, uh, it was. It's an it's a very surreal moment when you're standing next to a, um, an artist of the the status of Freddie Mercury, or or a Jimmy at Live Page Aid. Or, yeah, tell me about Live Aid. That was a good day. Yeah, it, it was a good day. I mean, it was a it was a real celebration of, of music and and a real sense of everyone coming together for a common purpose, and it had that sense of carnival to it. Uh, and you were late. Were you late for that? Oh no, you were late to the last Wham gig, weren't you? <laughs> you got yes. a ticket. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, I, I got, I got, a, I got stopped. The stop was speeding on the way to the final <laughs> concert, and uh, I was pulled pulled to one side by the police and um, and asked to get out of the car. And there was it was in quite heavy traffic, and um, there was a coach in front of us. We're full of Wham fans, and there was just one girl who who was turned around looking out the rear window, and her she was absolutely slack jawed in amazement. You know, couldn't actually mouth any words as, as I was getting a ticking off from the police. I, they were very good. They 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 did let me. They gave me a ticket, but they they let me go on and. Uh, Stressful moment, stressful it, moment. It, yes, it was a, for, for, for a short while. I thought it could be like scupper things. <laughs> that would be really bad. Um, uh, finally, there has been um, uh, some talk of, in the wake of Rocket Man um, and Bohemian Rhapsody, whether or not there might be a time uh, for a Wham biopic. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I would hope any time is the right time for a, for yeah. a, a Wham biopic, and, and if that were if that were something that um, were to come about, um, there are there are sort of rumours circulating, as it were. That I, I think it would make an amazing story for 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 people. It's a it's a story of of um, aspirations come true, you know, dreams come true, if you like, and uh, of of ordinary lads. Made good, so it, it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of what I think people would would uh, cherish about the whole our relationship, the two of us, and, and what and what Wham is. So I, I think it would make a, a, a good movie. Certainly, have a good soundtrack. It would have a great soundtrack, Andrew. Yes. Have a great soundtrack. Ronan Keating is offers his services to play you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, right. Um, um, I've I, I had I had a little cry on the train this morning when I finished the last chapter. Um, I met him several times and we uh, and had a really nice chat. And um, you were he the, was a very nice chat. He was a very nice chap. Um, and uh, what I'm so grateful for with this is that we get to remember the good bits um, and uh, and the happy bits. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Congratulations. Thanks, Emma. Much appreciated. 